1: If I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Wealth Without Wall Street tribe, so glad to bring back another fan favorite here. This is episode four in our book series that we recorded four years ago on R. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Today, we cover the problem. And guess what? The problem is still the same today as it was before. You're gonna wanna listen in as we talk about volume and rate and all the many things. You can follow along in your book on page 17 and 18. Can't wait for you to take away the nuggets from this episode and let us know your comments. Go into the community, give us some feedback. Tell us what you loved about it and uh, and how you are using this to get to financial freedom. Let's dive into episode four of our book series right now.
0: Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive
1: income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray.
2: Welcome. This is the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Your host, Joey, the Italian Stallion Murray, joined as always by Russ, the Idea Guy, Morgan. Russ, we're going to continue our conversation. This is the book review of Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Episode number four on this. That's right. We've got to continue the conversation. We're taking it bit by bit. This is The Problem, page 19 and 20. Yeah, The
0: Problem. One of the things that I love about this is that Nelson starts off with a pretty famous Bible verse, John 5, 6. He says, do you want to get well? He's you know, in the, in this part of the Bible Jesus is talking to the person who's been sitting next to this healing spring. Right. And never seems to be the first one in the water once it's been stirred up to be healed. And he says to
2: him, "Do you want to be healed?" Now, why would Nelson start off this section with a Bible verse? I Especially think, this one.
0: Well, I, I think when you're talking about finance, we have to identify there is a problem. And a lot of times we're very prideful as as individuals. I know I am. I, I struggle with that. That's a big issue in my life. And, well, I mean, are
2: people already know there's a problem. Just like this guy was are, sitting there. Problem with me or problem with what? Well, just in general, with finance, <laughs> right? And this guy's sitting next to the well. He knows he has a problem. He, he knows he, he has up. a well. He knows he's like, oh, I can't get there fast enough. I can't be the first one in.
0: But I think a, a big part of where Nelson is going with this is are we willing to say, yes, I have a problem and yes, I do want to be well. Acknowledge it
2: and make a change.
0: Yeah. So think about your That's finances both. right now. Where is it that you see a problem? Where are the things that you could be? Uh, improving on and today's lesson was going to be on talking about how he broke down an area of finance that really i I think has gotten really thrown out of whack and we're talking about rates and we're going to get into whether or not what rate we should be getting on our money what rate should we be paying for our debts and all this different different things but to start off with it's really do we want a solution are we willing to accept the problem and i know that you're listening to this and you're like yes that's the reason i'm here (laughs) But there's a lot of your friends and people that you talk to on a regular basis. That's probably one of the biggest struggles that they have when you're trying to share this with them
2: is that sometimes they don't believe there is a problem. Well, they either don't believe there's a problem or they have listened to and they've been lulled to sleep by, you guessed it, the Wall Street mindset. We have talked about this on numerous, numerous occasions. That's the whole reason that Wall Street exists is to continue to uncover these lies And these things that have been taught to us that just are not true. Yeah, let's break out of that mindset that... And I think
0: today we're going to we're going to break open uh, Willie Wall Street's rape monster.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> OK. I
0: mean, rape monster. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, think about that. Really, if in, in this book, Nelson starts talking about if you get the all-American person, right, you get yep. the all-American person. They're young. They start making money. And you got to think this book was written in year 2000. That's right. And it says This individuals in their late 20s and they're making twenty eight thousand five hundred. Now. You and I were having a discussion about that. Like, you know, one of the hard parts sometimes when people read his book, one, they, they forget this book was 19 years old, right? So some of the numbers are a little out of whack. And they're like, oh, well, that's that doesn't apply to me. But, well, they
2: just immediately discount it because of those things.
0: Yeah. I, but I remember 2000 was is when I left Auburn. That's when I graduated from college. I, I took a job as a management trainee position at this little enterprise rental car there in Columbus, Georgia. And I was making about twenty thousand dollars a year, so I'm thinking like two thousand, yeah. So I mean, he
2: interviewed you for this part of the book.
0: Yeah, well, I he mean, wrote it about. Yeah, him. I mean, there's a lot of things that he got right about that, right?
2: <laughs> but so I
0: I relate to where where he is as he's talking about these numbers. You know, the all American person making twenty eight thousand five hundred. You know, the majority of the money going out. I think he said forty percent was going to living, right? Thirty percent right. was going to housing. Forty
2: five on living. Oh, was it? Yeah.
0: Well give me the numbers, and you got them sitting in front Okay, of so he
2: he did twenty percent on autos, thirty percent on housing, and forty five percent on living. But then he said, But let's see if you could live off of forty. So you were right. Let's see if you can live off forty so you can save that remaining ten percent, which we did know you is hear not
0: what true. Joey just said? What? Repeat that one last that last statement you said. What? That you were right? Okay, good. I uh, just needed it on the record for twice. All right. <laughs> So yeah, 40% for living, 30% for housing, and then 20% for autos. And then he said he knows that the average person is spending more than that. I give you credit back. And they're really only saving maybe five percent, yeah, if they're but, lucky. But if he gives them say, hey, I'm gonna let them uh, for a lifestyle, only spend forty, then they'll save ten. So he really starts thinking about like if you get this person together with all their friends, they're sitting around the table and talking about money, what is it that they're going to start focusing
2: on? What rate should I be getting on the money I'm saving?
0: Let me tell you how good my four one k's done in the last five years. Exactly. Right. Let, let, let me tell you about this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's strong. To quite strong. strong. To quite strong. Right. That's where he says the the conversation is going to be. And so, really, what he's identifying is that out of a hundred, you know, a hundred percent of the money is coming in. How much are they putting away? Ten percent. And what are they focused on? What that ten percent is doing. Right. But they have completely forgotten. The 90% that's leaving their hands and what it's costing them to have that on an ongoing basis.
2: So I'm going to point this out that right out of the gate. He's saying the focus is on the wrong place. The focus is on interest rates. Now, again, I'm going to point to that as Wall Street has taught us to do that. And this is coming from me my background in mortgage, this was probably one of the hardest things for me to really take in this section. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I read this book for the first time, I see these two pages and I'm like, immediately start discounting the entire book, just just being honest, because of the things he puts in there about interest rates. I'm like, realistically, I'm not paying 20% of my income towards auto loans. I pay cash for cars. Right. That was, that, that was my initial thought, right? And maybe some of you are listening and thinking the same thing. But then he expands on it. He says, you're either paying by uh, charge card or bank notes. They're financed, these items. Or the balance is financed by paying cash for them. Okay, so I needed to give my, you know, get myself in check there right out of the gate. The second thing, he starts talking about how the automobile is financed. He says, oh, yeah, the typical finance cost for automobiles is 10550 for 48 months with an interest rate at least 8.5%. Well, I mean, we're here in the later 20, uh, 2010s, 2015, all that. Rates are not 10%, 8.5%. They're like 3%. 2.9, whatever. I'm like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's trying to inflate something unnecessarily to prove his point. And this, I'm just being honest. This is what I'm thinking because I'm the mortgage guy. I'm sitting there seeing interest rates every day, all day. I have bought it hook, line, and sinker.
0: Well, and it's funny because you and I, as we were prepping for this podcast, what did we do? We went and typed in historical auto rates, yep. uh, the, the Federal Reserve's um, you know graph graph shows up we go and click on it and what did we see what interest rates were in 2000 <laughs> they, they were, were like 10 percent it, yeah it's showing average the, yeah the average 48 month loan in 2000 was right around 10 according to the federal reserve so that's just where nelson went and got these numbers it wasn't like you made them up but some people weren't paying 10 some people may have been paying six percent at that point in time i don't remember that's way too <laughs> long ago right i mean it, that's the the part that, you know, we we apply today's information. And, and we're, as we dig into this, I think what we're going to see is that Willie Wall Street, you know, has changed the way we think about rates from an expense. So
2: One of the things we, we know that the Federal Reserve has done what with interest rates since the year 2000? Oh, they dropped it like a rock because they're trying to, you know, get this economy going.
0: Yeah, they're they're trying to stimulate the economy. Most people don't realize what's going on there is that, yeah, we not only have they been printing money, which is creating inflation, Right, means that more money creates more money in the marketplace, means that the cost of goods are going up. But also by doing that, it's forcing us to spend and not save, because whenever you have low interest rates, they're trying to stimulate the economy, trying to tell people, uh, go buy something. You know, it's cheap. Go yeah, buy some. Don't those. save. Yeah, don't save. And that, and there is a real issue. Is that when we look at this from a problem standpoint, the problem is, is that we don't have capital. We addressed that in the last episode, right? That we can't be afraid to capitalize our system. Businesses don't fail because they have too little capital. That's right. So when when he's you know addressing what is the problem? The main problem is is that interest rates. We've started focusing on trying to save a little percentage of our money as possible, and trying to focus on what rate of return can that little percent
2: get for me. That's right. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna point out the next thing that Nelson talks about is the the problem is not the rate. Or the APR. Again, these are all things that we all know because we've been trained to look for them. He said it's the volume. And so when he really breaks this down, he says that, you know, he gives the example of the shot, which I love this. He said a shot is given to you with no real regard to the rate at which it's applied, but the volume is life or death. Mm. Right. The amount of that shot, too little, it's ineffective, too much, it could kill you. Mm -hmm. So that is the most important piece about, you know, in this case, medicinal purposes. But we talk about from the average American household, he really starts breaking it down as to what we're actually spending out of each dollar towards finance costs. So let's let's talk through that. Well, well,
0: yeah, it's about volume, not rate. You know, we talk about even in the last episode, we talked about velocity. Right. 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 How, how fast can we get all of this going? Right. The, the more times a, a bank is not interested in charging you the highest rate. What are they interested in? How many times can they do it? The volume of transactions, the velocity of those transactions. working. Right. So the same thing is true here is where where should we be focused? Should we be focused on the interest rate that I can buy a car at, or I can buy a home at, or whatever else I can finance. I mean, he, he goes in to say, you know, uh, if you go down to a local car dealer and you ask them what percentage of cars that are bought have been paid off before they trade in. And the and he says it was like 70% of cars that have been traded in are still have a balance on them. And he says, then you go down and you go to the, the real high dollar Car car dealerships, right? Yeah, and, and you say what what percentage of the cars here are leased versus finance? And he says that number gets way on up there, maybe seventy five percent or more.
2: Yeah, and just to correct you, he was saying ninety five percent of the cars that are turned in have not been paid off, not mm-hmm. seventy. So you're you're off there, but. That's crazy. I, I knew it was going to come back if I said earlier. I mean, I had to, I had to correct you, okay? Sorry. It was coming.
0: <laughs> well, but the point is is that you know, if, if people are focused on the rate, the price, right? That's kind of what, how can I get the smallest price? There's where lease comes in. That's right. And, and, and I know that, I don't think he addresses it here, but I can remember in his seminars, he would do this. He'd say, Let, let's think about this, right? There has to be an owner, The owner is the person either is going to borrow the money from someone else and own the car and drive it themselves, or they're going to be the ones who who get the car and then rent it to someone else. He says, if you can lease a car and it's a good deal, then that means the owner is losing money.
2: And that, that deal never works out that way. That equation so, never works. So, how way. is it that the owner's It would continue. Money. If, it, if, it, if it did work that way, it would be short lived. It, it should be short lived. Now, I know you got a rental property that seems like <laughs> maybe the renter's getting a better deal. You, you mean the one that has uh, holes in the drywall and uh, you can see the, the neighbor upstairs right now? Yeah, that's no good. That's so a, Sometimes yeah. the renter may be getting a better deal. I
0: don't know. That person's, they're the one living in the house yeah, with the Some, a some hole people would in the say pool.
2: I'm underwater, both literally and figuratively. <laughs> on that deal
0: but there, he's basically breaking out kind of logically that can't work but sometimes that's what happens we lease cars because we go man this is the cheapest price right it's a smaller payment so then if i don't spend an extra 200 or 500 a month for this car payment then i can be saving it i've got to be winning that's right and he says well but the reality is is that it can't be because if if that was the case if renting was always better than owning then nobody would
2: ever own that's right Well, and and let's, let's break this down because you may be like me when I first started learning about this, I, I really was stuck in this idea, but okay, I know, understand interest rate may not be the most important thing, but that's really what was driving me to say, am I doing what's best for my family? Right. If I could be saving more, like you said, maybe there's a better interest rate somewhere else. And of course, I was trained because I'm in the mortgage business. I'm seeing them all day long every day. Well, if I was paying 6% on my mortgage and I could be paying 4%, should not I take advantage of that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're not we're not discounting the fact that we're also be stewards of the like the debt. In this case, a mortgage is a big debt. You're not necessarily going to pay it off anytime immediately. Um so we want to take advantage of that. So I'm not discounting that. Uh, but if that is the thing that you're so focused on, you may be missing the bigger pictures, what Nelson's talking about here.
0: Well, he, he said if if you're only focused on trying to get the smallest rates on what you're spending and then trying to get the highest rate of return on the little because he's really—he's like, not saying that having a mortgage is a bad idea. That's right. What he's saying is that our focus is okay. I want to—I want to buy as much houses. Uh, much cars. I'm going to have the biggest and best of things I possibly can. And I'm going to spend 90% of all the dollars I have toward those things. And then I'm going to take this little amount and I'm trying to get the highest rate of return. So what he's saying is we got to change our focus internally. We can't go, man, I want the highest rate of return on my littlest amount of money. Because if you took it and said, well, if I could earn three or 4% on 90% of all the dollars that come in, Right. In comparison to earning 20% on the 10% of the dollars that I'm trying to save, which one would
2: be a bigger number? I'm going to go with the 90% earning 3 to
0: 4%. Exactly. Well, it, if we think about that, all the dollars that we've spent over time versus what those dollars that we have saved, the the little that it's actually accumulated, because most time when people look in their account balances, they see big numbers, but if they if they went and subtract out everything they put in them, <laughs> what's left over is pretty pretty small. That's right. It's minuscule, but what is it that we focus on? So that's kind of the whole thing is, shouldn't we know what's really happened so that we can really know what to do
2: going forward? That's right, and I I think this is a perfect time to introduce his idea of the airplane example, okay? So let's break down what he's talking about in the book. The volume of interest that the American family is putting towards debt or the finance charge of all the things that we either finance through a bank or, like he says, finance by paying cash. Again, if you if that's unclear to you, <laughs> we've got the video in the show notes about the true cost of paying cash. Watch that. You'll get all the numbers that your little heart desires. Because guess what? I need to be proved that just like everybody else. Go watch that. But let's just assume what Nelson is talking about. 34.5% of every dollar the American family is is leaking towards finance costs okay he, he breaks it down in this area into auto into mortgage and living expenses but 34 and percent is going out the door and he points out we were saving 10 percent again on a on an aggressive scale
0: and so, here, so break think, down
2: what he's talking about on the airport.
0: But that, that's a really – if you took the percentage of your mortgage payment, subtracted out the principal, and you said, okay, how much of that is interest? It's probably close to 85% unless you've been in your home for 10 or 15 years, right?
2: Yeah, because he, he does point out the first five years is when people start to move it or refinance it. it it's always – So happening. it is the volume of that. And is, you know that you were in oh, the mortgage business. Your job absolutely. was to get them to refile, right? Oh, man, it was to their benefit.
0: <laughs> of course. Well, but but also the same thing with cars, Credit cards, everything else. So what he's isolating is the volume of every payment. How what what percentage of that? total payment is actually interest. And he says, it's about 34 and a half cents of every dollar. Uh, the, the net dollar comes into the household is going out for finance charges. And he said, okay, let's take that and compare it to them trying to save just 10%. And so he he he, he flew airplanes his whole life. Yep. And so he would use these great analogies to help you identify it. And he said, if I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and I was going to Chicago, Illinois. So if you, if you get on the map, you look at that, you're going to see Chicago. It was almost due north right. from Birmingham. And he said, Imagine that there's this, this highs and lows across this uh, across the US. And th- those things move in a counterclockwise motion. And he says, I'm gonna make the wind, right? This this wind that's gonna be moving from left to right, from west to east, as what, what all these highs and lows do. He said, Imagine that that thing is set up right. Um, just the front edge right over the top of Birmingham and Chicago. So that means that wind current is basically coming down from Chicago straight at Birmingham. And that would be the 30 and a half, thir- uh, uh, 34 and a half percent. So he just said 345 let's make, miles Let's per make hour. that miles per hour. So that'd be 345 miles per hour. And imagine your airplane is what you're saving. That's your 10%. So let's add a zero. That means your airplane can fly 100 miles an hour. So if you're trying to get Chicago flying an airplane at hundred miles an hour to a 345 mile an hour headwind, what would really be happening? You're going backwards. You're heading toward Miami at 245 miles an hour. Exactly. So the best thing you could do is what? Just land the plane. Just stay where you're at. Get on the ground as quickly as possible. Evaluate the situation. He said, now here's the thing is that, 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 that highs and lows moves a little bit. It gets centered right over the top of you where there is no wind. And he said, this is where people who are listening to some of the other financial gurus talking about get out of debt, get out of debt, get out of debt, say, oh, can't be any better. There is no headwind. There is no interest because I'm paying cash for everything. Right? Right. And so now I'm covering the ground at hundred miles an hour. I'm heading towards Chicago. What could be better than that? And he said, then you get them together. What do they start talking about? Man, maybe I can make my airplane go 105 miles an hour. Yeah, Maybe I can make it go 110. Now we start stressing that airplane a little bit.
1: If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system. Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income
0: Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to what's forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, "pop quiz day. Why? Because you were
1: unprepared. Are you unprepared, though, for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. But before you continue that, that same conversation
2: is happening not only when you've paid off all the debts. Let's say that guy has no headwind, tailwind. He's in that kind of neutral environment going 100 miles an hour. It's also happening when that headwind is still present. Mm. Okay, so don't discount that. Someone is in that airplane saying, Man, you know what? It feels like I'm going backwards right now I've got this 345 miles pushing me backwards I wonder if I can get uh, if I can make this thing go 115. yeah I
0: I, I probably have <laughs> way too much in debt I'm I'm financing everything that I'm buying I'm leasing stuff I you know er, everything I look at I'm just leveraged to the hilt with no backup no reserve but you know what I'm gonna do instead of creating reserve I'm going to try to stress my airplane out. I'm going to try to stress my savings and see if I can't get 15% of my money. 20 percent of my money. Yeah. Yeah. Because they put it into it. That's the biggest problem that I see in here is that the solutions given to people is like, oh, if you put it in a checking account, you get nothing. So they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. So I don't want to have this cushion because I know it's costing me. But then what are they taught is to put it in places they can't touch, and but to try to get these great rate of returns. So then both scenarios are not good. One, I'm stressing it. Secondly, I can't touch it. So yeah. it, you're, you're looking at this environment. And you say,
2: man, this is not a good place for me to be playing. That's right. I, I didn't want us to miss that point because that same conversation, that guy that was thinking he's, you know, won the day by paying off all his debt and paying cash for everything is the same conversation. That person is dealing with debt and they're still trying to get ahead and it's not getting them anywhere close. So then let's talk about the last environment he's talking about. So he says if this high moves
0: over and they always do now, this thing is set up where. The, the, the circulation is actually moving from Birmingham toward Chicago, right right Imagine this circle, this wind motion and now that 345 mile an hour wind becomes a tailwind right pushing that airplane forward pushing the airplane. So now my airplane that flies at 100 miles an hour is being pushed at 345 and I'm the underground at 445. And he that's, says, man, that's that, a pretty big difference. Now think about that. What is it, though? So explain that. <laughs> what is it
2: that's really, what, what is he saying is happening there? So what what he's saying is that the by taking over that banking function of financing everything that you buy by paying cash, but now through your own banking function. Okay. And so the the cash flows don't change. Right. The cash flow of money going out the door for the same things we're going to purchase, the same things that we're going to buy, living expenses, all those things don't change. They're just now in an environment that you own and control and that interest that you were paying somewhere else either by lost opportunity or by finance charge, is now pushing you forward. You now own and control that environment. And and isn't it just a process? Like, there's no magic to this. I mean, sometimes people
0: want to know, like, where's the catch within this? And you're probably telling people that you know about what you're doing with your policies. And they're like, where's the catch? There's not a catch. This is like basic finance 101. The thing is, is that people... Are, are trying to find magical ways to do things and they start focusing on the wrong issues and what people do you know the old adage i'll buy term and invest a difference but it's really i'll buy term and i'll spend the difference right what else what nelson's showing is this is a process of human behavior and we need to create a way to avoid it so we have to, one identify there's a problem and two let's create a solution so if i borrow money against my insurance contracts and i create a system to repay it right there is a process to do that it's not just like oh well if i have extra money i'll do it no there's a system we're going to actually follow a process to put the money back in so now all of that extra money that 34 and a half cents or the 345 in the in the airplane analogy is now going toward us well if we're saving 10 percent and we're putting that back to That's just going to propel us across the ground. And he says, you know, it looks really good when you see that 445. But when you know everybody else is going backwards at 245, that's a dramatic difference. Because everything we do is compared to what everyone else is doing. That's right. And we're going to be in a position so much better. So when when, when the market turns, which it will again, there's going to be the people who are going backwards at 245 are going to be in a world of hurt. But those of us who've put ourselves in a position we're capitalizing systems, we got cash, we're, we're we're not over leveraged, and things start going backwards, we're gonna have the ability to pick up those pieces,
2: and that's gonna help us cover the ground even faster as well. That's right. And I think the key thing is actually right at the very end of this section on page twenty, excuse me, on page eighteen. I was I was mentioning the wrong uh wrong pages earlier, he says. He talks about the most important things that we can do. And I'm just going to read it because I feel like it would do justice for us to do that. Somehow or another, it never dawns on most financial gurus that you can control the financial environment in which you operate. Perhaps it is caused by lack of imagination. We've talked about that before. But whatever the cause, learning to control it is the most profitable thing that you can do over a lifetime. So my my whole takeaway from this and what I think he's trying to say is that the environment and the control of it is the absolute most important thing that we have to to learn to control. And the learning part is what we're going to get to here in just a second. So let's talk through some practical things we can do as a result of what he's saying.
0: Well, I mean, first of all, I, I think, you know, yeah, I read this. I realized that, um, look, I, I, I didn't make a whole lot of money when I first got out of college and you know things have changed I, I can remember my wife being super frugal like literally we could have built houses out of the card box uh, cardboard boxes that you know we, we get coming from amazon today that that would be equivalent to the housing that i think our w- my wife had be living in early on in our marriage right she was super frugal and as time has gone on yeah i mean we've been we've been blessed and we spend more money and all those sort of things so, I I get it. Right. And I I know that, you know, as we make more money, we're going to spend more and we got to have a process for that. We have to have a way to get this tailwind. Now, after doing this for 10 years, Joey. Right. 10 years. And and you've heard me say this on the podcast before. I've expanded my system to 19 policies. right? Right. There's a lot of things I've done wrong in 10 years. But there's yeah I been, can I can account for that. yeah <laughs> there's been some really good things that's happened as a part of this learning and creating this environment and the goal is you know I, I read a book a long time ago uh, George Clayson's book The Richest Man of Babylon oh classic yeah we're, we're gonna have to do a podcast on this because I think yes. this is a great great book but one of the things I remember stood out to me is that he was saying you know you, you got to start your purse to fattening meaning that and his concept was you have to save at least ten percent. But if you have debts, you should live off 70% of what you bring in, and the other 30% should be going towards your savings and to get rid of them. And so I've tried to keep that number in my head as, you know, what percentage of the money that I bring in should I be shoving toward these insurance policies? And then slowly but surely taking loans against those insurance policies to get rid of those debts that have been accumulated. But if I can live off 70%, and ultimately have that 30% moving in my favor. You know, Nelson's is 34 and a half, so maybe I need to up my my ante a little bit here because that was kind of my starting point was off that Richest Man of Babylon book, which was was 30%. And Nelson's just saying 34 and a half. Either one of those are really good goals, but do we have that goal? Are we looking at our finances and saying, I'm going to create a system or expand my system to meet at least 30% of my income that comes in. I'm going to make it handle that functionality because there, there lies the ability for us to get a tailwind ability for us to get out of that headwind scenarios that we've built a place where we have enough money to do it. Cause I think the problem is, is that we never, uh, We're only trying to put in a little small amount. We don't have enough to take over those debts.
2: That's right. And so I think what I'm hearing you say is just practically from what Nelson mentioned is you should control the environment. The first step of that is, can I live off of 70%? And then what do I do with that 30%? Because one of the most common questions I get from people every day is, how much should I fund this policy with? What, you know, what's the form? Is there a formula? What percentage should I be saving? And I think this is a really good practical thing for us to all have as a goal. If you're already there, then you can expand beyond it, obviously. But 30% is what should be going into our own system so that we can create that tailwind, like you said. I,
0: I think it's very easy when you got a book that's 100 years old telling you to do that in The Richest Man of Babylon. I think that's a good place to start, right? There's a, a financial book that has... um continue to excel and yet but what's really happened is everybody's jumped onto this 10% bandwagon because they really want to spend 90%
2: well, the Federal Reserve has taught us not to save.
0: Yeah, I mean all, all the books out there are really trying to say, Hey, well, you need to you need to live off more and and focus on trying to earn greater returns on your ten percent and it's gotten us derailed from the really simple way of doing this whole thing. So so let's let, let, let's control the environment. Let's set up a process, expand it, whatever it needs to be to practically hold thirty percent of our cash flow. Yeah, so
2: do the math on that. If you're if what you're putting into your system right now is five percent of your income, and that's the max you can possibly do. Start thinking bigger. Imagine how could I get to thirty percent? Right, and you, you know, call us. Let's talk through that. Let's strategize. And
0: maybe just—I mean—the the easiest part of this is that maybe we're only putting in five percent because we're we're taking another ten or fifteen to pay off debts. Well. Well, if we're, we're following this process, why would we not put in the 20 and take out the money and start paying off the debts through that? Because are we not going to then have a system and a process to put it back?
2: Yeah, we need to do a case study on that, by
0: the way. F- for sure. All right. Step three is learning how to control that environment. And one of the last things he says in here, he says that controlling the environment may be the most profitable thing
2: you can do over a lifetime. Actually, learning to control that environment. So setting up the environment is important. Control it. That's the first step. And then expanding it or imagine. He talks about imagination. But the last one is learning. So how are we going to continue to learn?
0: So that that comes with a very cool thing that we've been working on for a while, isn't it? That's right. You've heard us probably back in, I guess it was maybe February, we did a podcast on community. That's right. And we kind of did a, just a, A little flyer out there saying, hey, community is a wonderful thing. We've got a beautiful uh, thing we call the Wealth Council. that is a closed group that our clients get to participate in. But we've got a lot of people saying, I want to participate in that, too. Or you have friends that you want to be able to tell about it. But you know that we don't let them in the closed group where we're going to expand that out, because I believe learning starts with giving of our own knowledge to other people and also gaining from those other people. So I want you to go to community.wealthwithoutwallstreet.com. You're going to be able to sign up and get access to when we are it's rolling out, it's coming.
2: Right, this uh, is early access. Yeah, you going will be able uh, to get access pre-launch.
0: yeah, to this information and uh, cuz when it comes, we want to make sure if you say, "Hey, I want to be a part of this. This is what I want to get. I want to I want to be able to ask Q&A of the, the the podcast guests that you guys have on here. I want to be able to you know, get information from people all across the country who are doing infinite banking, who are buying real estate. I mean, think about some of the cool things that people on our oh. web council have been talking about lately.
2: Yeah. I mean, you cannot imagine uh, I, The pun is totally intended, but what people are putting their systems and their environments at work doing. Just the other day, I had a client call me and say, man, I'm buying a laundromat, existing laundromat. One, I never thought about something like that, but this is going to create over $6,000 a month in, in passive income for him. It's what? Cool. That's crazy. Well,
0: think about the, we we had some questions on the, in our wealth
2: council the other day talking about buying um, storage units. Right. Wait, those are things that exist, but if you're not in an environment where people are sharing these ideas, you're missing it. You're, you're not you're, going to expand and continue to learn how to use, how to expand that environment. Well, to me, that goes back to
0: the the process of rates. If the people were sitting around the water cooler at, with, like that's what he's talking about in the book early on, is that they're going to be talking about what are they doing with the 10%. If you're sitting around a water cooler, virtual water cooler, right? <laughs> a, a, a digital community of people that are like-minded, and you're talking about what can you be doing with the 90%, who do you think is gonna? Remember, everything was compared to whatever everybody else is doing. Who do you think is going to be covering the ground at a faster rate?
2: Yeah, we are,
0: no doubt. So this so go to community.wealthwithoutwallstreet.com. You're going to be able to get access. Whether it, it, depending on when you're listening to this, it may be. Hey, uh, sign me up because I want to. I want you guys to email me and let me know this is coming. Or it, when you listen to this, it may be live. You may be saying, man, I what, what's in here? Now. I, I want to jump right. in. I want to start seeing what's going on in here on a daily basis. And we know this is going to continue to grow. But our goal and objective is going to be to constantly build community with you so that you guys can uh, connect with each other. We're going to add stuff. Uh, you know, value from all of our strategic partnerships that we have. We're not going to be the, uh, be the target as what Facebook is, right? We're not going to have ads bombarding us to try to buy things constantly. Yeah, This will be outside of Facebook. Yeah. 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 Yeah, This is just going to be a total collaborative effort for you to be able to get access to some of the things that people pay, Tens of thousands of dollars to go listen to, you're going to be able to get this stuff on a weekly, daily basis and be able to connect with people that I think will be great relationships and resources for you down the
2: road. But you got to come with the mindset that if I give 50%, I will earn, I will gain 50%. If you come just looking to get, get, <laughs> yeah, you're going to miss it. Yeah, gonna you miss won't, out won't be part. happy, right? Because this is not just gonna, like Nelson. Yeah, this is not going to be Russ and Joey,
0: you know, putting a blog post in there every single day or five, you know, videos every week. That's not gonna not what happen. We're gonna have lots of hot seat stuff, lots of QA. There's gonna be lots of value added by our strategic partnerships on a regular basis. But I think the main value is gonna be what's gonna be you giving to the group. Hey, I'm doing this, I'm trying this, I have problems with this and then the group giving back And it being just this ebb and flow constantly. And there is where we're going to have, because when we're sitting there and we're thinking about these ideas together, our imaginations will get fired up. And I know that we're going to excel and get closer to our ultimate objective, which is financial freedom at a much faster pace than if we were not in a group or community like
2: this. Yeah, we're going to create the tailwind that you're talking about, the 445 miles an hour. All right. So if you're listening to this and you say, "Okay, Joey, I've never even set this up to begin with with, we need to go ahead and have a call. Go to freecall.wealth.wallstreet and we'll be happy to meet with you. One of our advisors, we're happy to meet with you and walk you through this. Um, this was the problem book review. We're going into the next section next time, creating a bank like the ones you already know about. So stay tuned on that. Don't forget to go to sign up for our community, community.wealthwithoutwallstreet.com. And don't forget the videos. We've got two really cool videos in the show notes one on the cost of true cost of paying cash and the second is going to be on the max potential to show the problem in real numbers so you can see wow what am i leaving on the table okay this has been an awesome review thanks for sticking with us we'll see you next time
1: this has been the wealth without wall street podcast don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the wall street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.